I'm Carol Cohn, and welcome to Purpose 360, the podcast that unlocks the power of purpose to ignite business and social impact. In today's conversation, we're joined by Allison Lewis, Chief Growth Officer of Kimberly Clark. Allison calls herself a born and bred CPG careerist. She started out at Kraft Heinz, then spent many years at Coca-Cola, then went on to J&J. And now she got lured to Kimberly Clark. And why? Well, she said it was because of the culture, because their employees had this amazing spirit and commitment to each other and to their purpose. And their purpose? Better care for a better world. She'll talk about having leadership be vulnerable, and then taking the time to reach out to each and every single employee in the organization. She'll also talk about Menstrual Hygiene Day, one of the key purpose areas that they focus on for their many feminine hygiene products. Let's get started. Welcome to the show, Allison. Well, it's great to be here, and I'll tell you, I'm extremely excited to talk about this topic. Oh, terrific, because we are going to be talking about menstruation and menstrual hygiene day. And wow, you know, people ask, Carol, you're going to talk about, yes, we're going to talk about that. But first, I want to talk about Allison, because Allison is a rock star. So Allison, can you tell us a little bit about what is a chief growth officer. Yeah, I'd love to talk about that because at the end of the day, while I have a over 30-year career that's steeped in marketing and brand management, at the end of the day, the role of marketing and brand management in my mind has always been about driving growth. The beauty of the role that I have is I'm really charged in this chief growth officer capacity to reimagine how we invent, how we market, and how we sell the products and brands of Kimberly Clark. And that's a pretty exciting place to be and a pretty big remit and one where I feel like we're making lots of progress every day. And I bet that purpose is a deep part of each one of those. So since this is called Purpose 360 and everyone knows I'm four decades about purpose, why is purpose so important to Kimberly Clark's growth? So we all know the stats that talk about, you know, companies with purpose at the core or brands with purpose at the core grow grow faster than other companies or other brands. And absolutely, there's a lot of empirical evidence that speaks to that. But I would say, why is it important that Kimberly Clark is mostly because it's really in our DNA. So if you go back over 150 years, what you see is we are a company who invented five of the eight categories that we compete in to get day. These are categories that solved real problems that consumers had. 
So whether it is the women on the front lines at in World War One who sewed the cellu cotton together to create the first Kotex pad so that they could keep helping the soldiers on the front line while they had their period, uh, whether it's creating the first disposable handkerchief in Kleenex, far more hygienic. So it's in our DNA. And as we continue to evolve as a company, our purpose is better care for a better world. And that idea of care, not only for the consumers that we serve, but also the world that we live in is a really important part of what we do. And purpose is really at the heart of that so that we make commitments for the world side of things to, you know, better environmental and social responsibility, doing everything we do to serve more consumers. So we serve 2 billion today. How do we add another billion to that, but do it with the smallest environmental footprint possible? And then lastly, I'll just say we have very intimate needs that we solve against. If you think about the categories that we participate in, menstruation, incontinence, even diapering, where diaper rash is, is very painful for that parent experiencing it for the first time with their baby. Our employees really feel like they're doing mission-led work and making a difference in people's lives as they deliver against sort of those purposes of the brand and then the higher order purpose of the company. I know that in an interview, you know, you were asked actually at Kimberly Clark for their blog, like, why did you join? I mean, you're you, at Coke, you were on amazing brands and then J&J. But you talked about the special mission. Can, can you elaborate a little bit more and how you felt that during the interview process? So Mike Shu is our chairman and CEO. And when I met with him, there were two things that really stood out. First of all, he's a very altruistic leader. And what he believes is that we as a company are here to do better for the consumers that we serve every day, to do better in the communities that we operate in, and to do better for the employees that make this company run every day and provide these amazing products to consumers around the world. And behind all of that is really a mindset of performance-led, but purpose-driven. The second thing I think that stood out was really this idea of reinventing and reimagining how we invent, market, and sell which was an opportunity for me to really take my over 30 years of CPG experience and take all the good things that I saw over many, many years and bring those to Kimberly Clark and maybe make sure we didn't do any of the things that I didn't feel were the best things throughout my career. So it really was a chance to shape sort of what I call, you know, the perfect consumer packaged goods company. And, and Mike really had a, a vision and support around doing that. You have such a marvelous energy. You can just feel it. I, I wish I, you know, if I wasn't doing this, I want to be on your team. <laughs> you are an amazing, you're a servant leader too, Elson. And, and I know that, and I know Mike's that too. So 
I would love to have you talk a little bit about your social impact strategy, because that includes, we see three areas that you, that you talk about in your website, caring for the health and well-being of people at all stages of life. And I love all stages from babies to seniors. So I think that's great. Challenging stigmas. So you're not just selling things, you're creating an ecosystem of support around them. But how did, how were these three areas decided to be the main social priorities for Kimberly Clark? When you're thinking about your social impact strategy, it's critical that you link that to the business. And that's a strong belief that I have that when you link it to the business, then by default, it has a level of stickiness. So when you think about those three areas, they're extremely linked to the business that we're in. So first, caring for the health and well-being for people in all stages of life, we have the beauty of, you know, recruiting people when they're first-time parents into the diapering category, all the way through to the later stages of life where you might be experiencing incontinence. And everything in between, because we have, you know, toilet paper in Cottonelle for those in the U.S., different brands around the world. You know, we have Paper Towel, Viva and Scott, and we have Kleenex, which is our, our tissue brand. So those are kind of throughout throughout the life stages. But the important thing there, I think, is, is really making sure we're clear on the purpose of those brands and really linking that as a filter to everything that we do. So not just the social impact work, but also how we do innovation, how we come to life in communications, the media channels we might choose. Again, a filter for everything we do across that caring for the well-being at all stages of life with the brands that are relevant at that stage. I think the second thing is really around the stigma piece. And that is something that we do very well as a company because if you think about many of our brands, there's extreme stigma associated with it. So that's how I would uh, describe sort of our choices in terms of our social impact strategy and how they link back to the business and ultimately link back, link back to better care for a better world, which is the company purpose. Beautifully stated and very clear. And I love the fact you use the word filter. You know, we often hear the word lens, but I think filter is even more active. And I'd love to, before we get into to Menstrual Hygiene Day, I'd, you love innovation. And I would love you to share, was there one thing in the last few years that you've had a bit of a hand in or you're really proud of an innovation that has flowed from Kimberly Clark's purpose? Most of our innovation will flow from the actual brand purpose. It ladders up to the Kimberly Clark purpose, but um, I can use feminine care just as a, as a great example. So one of our great successes around the world, and in fact, we've just launched something similar into the U.S., is our Kotex antibacterial line of liners or pads. This is something that is 
an unmet need and an unarticulated need that consumers have, which is they really are concerned about odor, they're concerned about bacteria, and in providing an extension that delivers against that, it's something that has been quite successful in our portfolio. The U.S. just actually launched a charcoal version of that, which really works hard against odor, which is a perceived need of consumers. And so the charcoal neutralizes that odor. So I think that's a great example of working through that lens of never letting a period get in the way of her progress and really addressing the concerns of consumers head on, whether they're real or perceived, they're very important. So let's talk about menstrual hygiene day. So what's going to happen this year? And how have you continued to, again, we'll use the word innovate over the years. And then how global is it? Menstrual hygiene day is something that we've been very actively a part of since 2020. Um, we partnered with Wash U, who um, is driving this around the world. And we've done various things related to Menstrual Hygiene Day, whether that's a Facebook live feed that we've done with a, you know, panel interview with a number of experts in the industry, all the way through to different, you know, things we've done in local markets. The wearing of the menstrual hygiene bracelet is something that we've done and got our employees to do and promote through social media. And it, it really is just a day, one day when we can all come together across various industries, across various, you know, nonprofit organizations and really, you know, promote menstrual hygiene day and elimination of stigmas. For this year, we're doing a lot of activity around very um, educational memes and gifts that get out the message around the stigmas that exist out there, and we'll promote that heavily through uh, social media. So again, while it is only one day, and the reality is we have to fight period stigma 365 days a year. It is a moment when we can raise the flag, we can all shout a little bit louder, and hopefully bring a, a few more advocates on to drive towards a world where stigma doesn't exist. And you're so wise in that you don't just do the day, which so many other companies do. They send out the press release, like, why, why don't people know what we stand for? You have your wonderful Kotex She Can initiative. And that is that it's really extensive. So if you could talk about that, um, that would provide a lot of inspiration for our listeners. The She Can Initiative is one of the sort of activation corridors for purpose that we have through our Kotex or you buy Kotex brand around the world. And, you know, it, again, it all flows from sort of how do we continue to eliminate and reduce the stigmas because we know that so many girls around the world still suffer from stigma associated with periods. And so the She Can Initiative does a number of things, whether it is supporting the women in South Africa related to linking up with a uh, celebrity rap singer who writes a song about stigma and that rap song makes the top 20, whether it is supporting a soccer team in Saudi Arabia, women's soccer team in Saudi Arabia, 
whether it is in other parts of Asia, providing some money from an entrepreneurial startup standpoint for women-owned businesses. Or, you know, one of the things we did that I loved um, in Brazil as part of the World Cup is, I, I don't know if you recall, but this was the first time, this World Cup was the first time there was a woman referee um, as part of um, the referee staff um, for the World Cup. And so we brought back a story from Brazil where a woman by the name of Lia Campos was actually in 1967, the first woman referee, not on the World Cup stage, but she had to overcome significant bias and significant stigma like why are what happens when you're on your period when you're out there refereeing a game and we brought back that story as a way to connect and link so these are the types of things we do to again really just amplify the voice of cotex and the voice of better care for a better world from an overall company standpoint linked back to cotex and you're also gutsy in your marketing because you know in the olden days there was this kind of fake fluid that was used and then you started upping the game in that was that a hard decision to make and and can you explain to our listeners what the new fluid looked like we very often find ourselves in dialogues around all those bodily functions that people maybe don't openly talk about. But if you want to make it real, you need to not pour blue liquid on a pad. You need to pour red liquid on a pad. And we do the same actually with our incontinence brands. We don't pour blue liquid on the pad. We pour our yellow liquid on the pad because it is about making it real. It is about leaning into reality. Reality. And it is about, you know, proper dialogue around these things that really are completely normal and that we all experience in some way, shape or form. I'm curious about when you bring in new marketers or analysts or anybody that's touching the product communications. Are they all have they all come over to the side of it's got to be real, it's got to be authentic, it's got to be, you know, purposeful, or do they have to learn that? I feel like um, that's one of the reasons that employees join Kimberly Clark, that it really is an amazing culture. And I think what they feel from day one is that we are a company about making a difference. Um, I think through osmosis, they feel sort of the mission-oriented mindsets of the employees. And I think it comes from the core of what we really do best as a company, which is we have amazing science and amazing technology. So taking that science and then recognizing the difference that can make in consumers' lives is something that they'll feel pretty quickly. And then the key thing is, you know, if you think about my area of the business, it's how do we translate that into a way that really connects with the consumers um, from the top of the funnel all the way down to the bottom of the funnel. You know, you know that that links back to, you know, overall this better care for a better world, which is our culture compass, which is, you know, has a, had a whole program itself in the last couple of years as sort of we rolled out and re 
articulated um, our purpose and reaffirmed our purpose as a company. So can you talk a little bit more about your culture compass? Sure. How that, that's working, how it's evolved, even how it came about? Instead of just being about caring products, we evolved our purpose to become better care for a better world, which encompasses not only the humans that we serve, but also the communities that we operate in and sustainability. In terms of the values and the ways of working, we also rearticulated those. And then what we did was we spent a lot of time really seeding that within the organization. So I, I think it's a great example of how you cascade and create ownership through sort of co-creation. And so we started with the first 200 leaders and we shared this. And the important thing of how we shared it was we ourselves talked about our own personal purposes and how that linked to why we were here. And then we had them talk about it in the top 200 leader meeting. And then we had them replicate that as they rolled it down throughout the organization. So we were able to get to over 40,000 employees through a cascading approach where everybody talked about not only what the company purpose meant to them, but also how that linked to their personal purpose. And I think that links back to our earlier conversation in terms of very mission-led employees, because when you're linking your personal mission to the company mission, wow, that's a pretty powerful thing. I love that you said that, because that is the great unlock. And, you know, whether it's Paul Pullman or Hubert Jolie or others just talking about it's the linking of the company purpose to the personal purpose. Can you answer a little bit more or just shine some light on any ways that you have done that? Part of it is is talking about it and being vulnerable ourselves as leaders. Each of the ELT members talked about their personal purpose. You can imagine that there's a lot of experiences that are good and that are bad that shape people's personal purposes. And that's a very vulnerable place for, you know, an ELT member to be in. And I think this is a little bit of, you know, why I, why I love leadership of today where authenticity is valued more than ever. Um, and so I think that's the first thing is, is being vulnerable. The second thing is really ensuring that you are connecting with every single employee. And we spent a lot of time talking about it. So that's very important. It's also not a point in time. So you have to continue those dialogues. And so creating forums where you can continue those dialogues is also a very, very important part. And we have something called Caring Conversations, which the Human Resources Organization created. And, you know, leaders are encouraged to have these caring conversations at various moments throughout the year. And those caring conversations are skip level. 
So when I have a caring conversation within my organization, I'm not doing it with my direct reports. <laughs> I spend a lot of time with my direct reports. That's not who I need to have the caring conversation with. I go all the way down in my organization, skip level to skip level to hear what's on their minds. You know, how are they feeling about our culture? How are they feeling about our work? You know, what sort of gaps exist? So that's another important tool where you make this an ongoing thing. I can't leave before we talk about Toilets Change Lives and the Toilet Coalition and what you've done there, because you've got some big, bold goals around the globe. So can you just address that? Because I've always been mesmerized by that. Yeah. So, I mean, the first thing that you should be mesmerized by is toilets change lives. It's a great, it's a great, uh, tagline. It's a, it's a great way to frame up sort of what, what we do. Um, but basically we work with, you know, a number of nonprofits around the world to really bring sanitation and quite frankly, toilets to people who don't have access to that. So you have situations where girls, as an example, won't go to school when they're on their period because there's no appropriate place for them to change the product that they're using to manage their period. So they stay home. And as you can imagine, that doesn't help with their education and doesn't help with their progress. And so those are the kinds of things that that we do really bringing that hygiene and, and those toilets to local communities with a lot of help from a lot of partners. And you have set an overarching goal of improving the well-being of 1 billion by 2030. So in terms of doing that, what are, you know, how do you measure that? We actually measure that through the programs that we do. So uh, I mentioned a few of those programs. So whether it's, you know, Toilets Change Lives is a great example where, you know, we've had 7 million people impacted um, over 15 countries in the last, uh, I think it's seven, eight, eight years, which is, you know, pretty amazing when you think about that. So all of those programs get measured. Yeah, it's interesting that you understand that to get to scale, you need to bring others in. So, you know, this Alliance for Period um, product, which I didn't know about, your Toilet Board Coalition. Um, why are you bringing in others? You know, we work with, with clients and if they're not that, you know, profound, well, I don't want to share it. But you have a very different point of view because you're looking to scale. and and. You know, what is that point of view and what what advice would you give to others about opening up uh, their social impact work to have greater impact writ large? One thing is, in many ways, you have to look at this with a pre-competitive mindset, right? So if you really believe in, in bettering lives, reach outside your four, four walls. I think the second thing is the scale that these partners can bring. Um, so just, you know, menstrual hygiene day, great example, wash you gives scale to, you know, we have scale in different places, but they have scale in places that can really help with this. I think the third thing is, is just doing it faster. You know, so if you think of toilet bowl coalition and all of that, it would take a long time for us to build the infrastructure and would be extremely costly to build the infrastructure that many of these other companies have built. And so we can quickly leverage that infrastructure to make a difference more quickly in people's lives. 
just as we begin to, to close this down, I, I'd love you to, you know, you're a chief growth officer. I mean, you look at all different areas. Um, what are, you know, a few pearls of wisdom you can share to senior executives who want the kind of job that you have? And what do they need to do to become their chief growth officer, which is even higher than a chief purpose officer in my eyes? I think the most important thing for people to do in their careers is, first of all, really seek out breadth of experience. And, you know, I've been very fortunate through my career to sort of zigzag a lot. I have a a heart and soul in marketing and brand management, but I've done sales roles. I've done operations roles. I've done general manager roles. And that makes you smarter and allows you to bring all the pieces together so when you think about the role I'm in today, it's a beautiful culmination of everything I've learned over many, many, many years related to inventing, marketing, and selling. I wouldn't have had that you know, day one when I started my career, but I was very fortunate to be able to sort of career path myself to get that diversity of experience. The second thing I always tell people is take risks and chances. Hold your hand up for the craziest, most difficult role, the one that maybe you think, wow, I don't know if I'd want that role. Because when you put yourself in that kind of situation, that's when you grow, you learn, you develop, you challenge yourself to the greatest degree. Being comfortable doesn't challenge you. Being uncomfortable does challenge you. And I feel like the times when I was the most uncomfortable doing things that I actually didn't think I could do, I learned so much. And that learning and growth allows you to ultimately get to something like chief growth officer or whatever it is that you sort of aspire towards. So those are my little pearls of wisdom for today. Those are just fantastic. I I couldn't leave before asking you about the ESG situation these days. I just want to talk about just more converse about the communications because there's greenwashing, green hushing. Um, What do we call it? This or that? Here's what I would say about ESG is You need to embed it into the heart of your business and think about it from the standpoint of, you know, we often talk about the trifecta of sustainability when we're talking about innovation and we say, look, we have to have consumer value creation. We have to have something that ultimately has a business case associated with it for the business. And then the final thing is that it has to have a sustainability element. And so if you really try to set the standard against delivering against all three of those, that's when ESG is embedded into everything you're doing. That is critical. Those things really tie back to, you know, being authentic in in setting your goals and, you know, being authentic in 
using the elements of ESG in terms of how you run the business every day. No one has ever said to me about embedded into the heart. They say, make sure it's aligned, et cetera, but you are embedding it into the heart. And so, um, you know, what's funny about Kimberly Clark, you guys, you, you have Midwest humble. Yes, we do. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I mean, when I worked you in, you know, way back when was Casey at its best in 1997, you were always humble. So in closing, Allison Lewis, what would you like to just share? We haven't shared um, about either your role or purpose or just, you know, another pearl of wisdom, anything just in conclusion, because this is a great conversation. Yeah. Well, I'd say, first of all, on your humble comment, I'll just say we, we do prefer to walk the talk versus mm-hmm. talk the talk. You do. You uh, I absolutely think that do. links back to your ESG comment as well. Um, but yeah, I'll just close with, uh, I think, you know, one thing I think I, I said quite clearly through this is, is purpose is often misunderstood and, and being purpose led is not just about cause marketing. It's really about going back to your roots and understanding the why a business exists tapping into that founder's mentality and vision. You know, each of the brands in Kimberly Clark has a brilliant purpose and that should be the filter for everything we do. And I think for all of those of you listening out there, go back to your roots. I'm a big believer in the fruits are in the roots and every company, every business was an entrepreneur at some point. We may be 150 years away at Kimberly Clark from an entrepreneurial roots, but you know the fruits are in the roots and we still should operate with that founders. Why do we exist? Okay, that's why we exist. That should be embedded into everything we do. Um, the second thing I'll say is this whole idea of purpose-led and performance-driven, I don't think we can lose sight of the performance-driven part. It's a virtuous cycle. And so purpose should drive performance and performance allows us to live our purpose. And I think people really need to understand that because if you don't perform as a business, just being purpose-led means you're not going to have anything to reinvest back into that purpose. So you can't get any better with the innovation that you do, with the programs that you run at a community level, with the investment and sustainability that you make. So that virtuous cycle idea is really important. And then the last thing I'll just say is if you can get to mission-driven work and really linking that back to the business, that's the ultimate motivator. So when employees realize they're not just kind of doing a job, but rather they're making an impact on people's lives, I think you unlock a whole new level of commitment and buy-in. And um, that makes you somewhat unstoppable. So I will end with that. And as Hubert Jolie said, that's how you create human magic. Ah, human magic. Uh, I love that. Yes. Well, well, you are definitely, gosh, I'm going to look up in the encyclopedia of course, digital. And I'm going to look for a human magic and your picture is going to be there and surrounded by your colleagues at at Kimberly Clark. Allison Lewis, this has been a wonderful conversation. Um, They are really lucky to have and to be wise enough and luck, luck as well to have you there in this wonderful position. Thank you so much, Carol. It's been great being with you.
This podcast was brought to you by some amazing people, and I'd love to thank them. Ann Hundertmark and Kristen Kenny at Carol Cone on Purpose, Pete Wright and Andy Nelson, our crack production team at True Story FM, and you, our listener. You know, we love hearing from you, so please give us feedback. Let us know names of people you'd like to hear on a future episode. How about some new questions to ask? And also, please rate and rank us, because we really want to be as high as possible as one of the top business podcasts available so that we can continue exploring together the importance and the activation of authentic purpose. We all know every company, every brand, every not-for-profit must define their purpose, refine it, and activate it, and evolve it over time so it has the greatest impact on business, growth, and society. And by listening to these episodes and sharing them with your colleagues and talking about them, I want to inspire you to have an amazing answer to this question. What is the power of your purpose? Thanks so much for listening.